This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the preview show brought to you by the No Name Never podcast. I'm your host Natalie Bromley and this week we have got a double bubble session where we are looking back at that fantastic 4-0 home win against Swansea that saw the Clarets at the top of the championship table and we're going to be previewing the next championship game which is a midweek game of Birmingham away. I am joined this week by two of our analysis show team. We have got the lovely Charlotte Rigby and the delightful Rich Steele um, and we are going to be joined live in this analysis show studio by our resident statistician Statman Dave himself which is a treat this season because he keeps sending us pre-records and we want to drag him into this studio kicking and screaming. Um, so I'm going to hand over Charlotte. Let's get you straight in on this. 4-0 emphatic victory at home at Turf Moor. Fantastic performance by every single one of us. Tell me how it feels to be top of the league. Well, I'm going to use one of my dad's favourite phrases here and say I'm buzzing like the biggest bee in the tree. I'm absolutely <laughs> thrilled. With the with the result on Saturday, I thought it was fantastic. What a game! We I think we'll talk a bit about clicking uh, today, and it just felt like we did it, and we deserved it. And it had been a long time coming, and I know we've had our share of some a good result earlier on in the season, but it really felt like it in front of a home crowd. And yeah, to to top it off being top of the league, what more can we ask? I mean, it felt dominant, didn't it, Charlotte? It was it was one of those where. This had been billed as the game that was going to finally test the Clarets this season. It was a side who were going to play the same football as us um, and they were going to test us. And, and I think Tom and I on the previous show last week couldn't quite decide whether it was going to be nil-nil or one side was going to get battered 4-0. As it turned out, it was us. Um, what was it for you that particularly clicked? I think it was the play between everywhere on the pitch, starting from right at the back with with the big man in the net all the way going forwards. Um there was, we struggled at points with the end result. We didn't struggle with that on Saturday. And then looking at the other end of the pitch, when we haven't struggled with the end result, we struggled with keeping hold of it, um, whether that's a 1-0 lead or, or a 2-0 yeah. lead in some cases. And again, we didn't. And it just seems like we found our, our starting eleven, if we can say that. It seems like these are the lads, the strongest ones we can put forward at the moment. Obviously, we've got different lads to come in and out of the team again. 
But for certain, like you said, there was so much talk about this being our biggest test and there was a lot to prove and maybe that spurred them on a little bit and the thought that they've been dropping these points that they really shouldn't have been and, and it finally did just connect up as a whole and it was, yeah, it was a joy to watch. Yeah, it was. Um, Rich, I've been absolutely addicted to your messages since that game on Saturday, just with just the euphoria that's been coming through our group and how buzzing you were from it. Um, we've talked a lot about clicking, we've talked a lot about dominance things, but I think we've still got this, is it a problem? We've still got this challenge in this league about how we then apply that same level of pressure and how we apply that game style to the teams that do come to us and shut up shop, which is now we understand why everybody's doing it. And I guess for me, there is, is there a worry there that other teams are going to see that Swansea performance and go, well, yeah, we're not going to bother trying to play against them. We're just going to try and shut up shop. That, that's going to be a challenge, right? Yeah, of course. I think going back to, to echo Charlotte's thoughts, I thought Saturday was, it was just really enjoyable to watch. I never... As soon as that second goal went in for me, I never thought Swansea were going to come yeah. back in, in into the game. You know, it, other games I felt like that. I just felt we were calmer. Some of the interchange between Tellers and Ruri was fantastic. I know we'll talk about them later. The full-backs were outstanding. We won every single battle all over the pitch. But yes, of course, when Swansea come out and play the way they did, it, it does make it easier for us. You know, they tried to match us. You played three centre-halves with two very high wing-backs. And in the first 10 minutes, that actually caused us some problems because, um, which side was it? Yeah, because Vitino was then pushing up, up the mm. pitch a little bit, was getting caught. But once we got a foothold in, in the game, and I will always say, though, in football matches, the first goal is so crucial. Um, yeah, it is. Because, because I'm very sad and I don't like watching Strictly come dancing. I uh, on... that, that does not make was... you sad, Rich. <laughs> I was... Um... We were we was out on Saturday night, so my wife was watching it Sunday morning. So I watched the full game back. And it was a real even game until we scored the first goal. And after after that, we just got our confidence and started passing the ball fantastically. Every time we went forward, we did it with urgency. We did it with with intensity. And the goals we scored were absolutely fantastic. Those first yeah, two goals yeah. were just fantastic. You know, full back to full back, oh. fantastic cross by Matson. You know, Vitinho in at in at the back post, but. Like you said, it's a completely different game. The last home game to Stoke, we all come off very frustrated. When you know, when I don't mind teams doing it, we we did it in the Premier League, and every team's got a right to play how they feel. We'll give them the best opportunity to get a result on the day, and it's still going to be a big challenge for us in these next two games: Birmingham and Sunderland. Two in, uh, two English managers, uh, John Eustace and Tony Mowbray. They're not going to play as expansive as what Swansea did, so it's up to us to be able to break them down and to keep playing with that same intensity. But it shows what we can do if we find that yeah. space and we click. We've had two games this season, Wigan and Swansea, where the football has just been an absolute joy joy to watch. And I went off the game and I said to my dad, I can't remember coming off Turf Moor and enjoying a game as much as I did on Saturday. Definitely. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, absolutely buzzing. Sticking with you then, just for a little bit longer, Rich, because one of the things I wanted to chat with you about tonight is the fullback position because this is something that you nailed very early on in the season you identified that there was a weakness there and just the defense just wasn't quite right that defense that we've now had for a couple of, of games I know we had to bring Charlie Taylor on a, against Coventry but having Harwood Bellis and Mayer at oh is it Bayer Mayer I keep getting the wrong way around um <laughs> it's center half and then having Matson and Vitinho at the, at the fullbacks 
that to me, I cannot see anybody displacing those four. And I think you were justified in your concern over some form that um, uh, Conor Roberts had been showing. Did that was that what you were looking for for my defense, particularly for the fullbacks? You know, going going back to Roberts, it's a really difficult one because he 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 divided opinion a little bit. I was expecting this fullback to come from Swansea with a big reputation. Mm. And to me, what I would say about Roberts is, and when you compare him to Vitinho's performance, nobody can watch those two players and say that Roberts has been putting in no. as much effort in Vitinho as. I don't need, the same as McNeil last year, I don't need people to come up with stats. I can see it with me on. Stats are misleading at times. There's Vitinho... It's, it's been a fresher, been a breath of fresher, and I think you're seeing he's he's playing on his more natural side now, so he's not having to come inside onto his left foot. He just looks a lot more freer there. I think Matson has come into the team. He, he's had some criticism for me. He looks like he's a little bit more defensively solid. Yeah. What I will say to bring some balance to this, we've played against two teams, Coventry and Swansea, who aren't the most physical. They're not. They're not the biggest uh, of teams. That's a good point, actually. So when we come up. I don't know as much about Birmingham, if I'm being honest. I think Troy Deeney's playing in a slightly deeper role. I think they've got Scott Hogan up front, who's a bit more of like a Danny Ings type player. <clears throat> but when we come up against Sunderland on Saturday, who's got Ross Stewart up front, big striker, big target man, very good striker. I think it'll be interesting to see how the fullbacks cope. Yeah, that's with, a really good with, point, actually. With that dynamic. So, um, but yeah, I think the. And I think Bayer is is an outstanding centre half. I thought Taylor was a little bit harsh to be dropped after after he played really well in the centre half. But you can just tell Bayer's a natural centre half, where Taylor yeah, is not quite a natural centre half. So, but yeah, like I said, I think I mentioned it. That first goal just epitomised what Matson and Bettino are about. They're absolutely outstanding going forward. I think Bettino is better defensively than Matson. I think where Matson might yeah. struggle is he still sometimes get caught 10 yards up, up the pitch. And I think against teams who play against us on the counter-attack with, with pace, might still expose that a little bit. So I'm not going to say after two games in that all of a sudden it's all rosy and we're not going to get caught out defensively anymore because I still think we will do at times with physical yeah. teams uh, similar to like Stoke were with, with, with that goal. But on Saturday, it all clicked. It, it, was, it was one of those games where our, don't don't forget as well because Swansea played their wing backs so high they give our full backs a hell of a lot of space to play into and yeah that's, that's a really good point like Josh Cullen was able to come almost into that right back position and mm. allow Bettino to come up the pitch because he had that space and allowed Teller to you know to you know to expose that number five who was possibly one of the worst defenders I've seen at Turf Moor Ben Cabano. oh gosh he was awful um, he was awful what was he? he was very mm. lucky to not be sent off so I said before the game. I've got the message if someone doesn't believe me. I said, I think we'll beat Swansea. I said this to my cousin. I think we'll beat Swansea because they'll match up against us, you know, and normally when teams and normally when teams play each other and there's a matchup, the better the better team wins. The team who's got the better individuals wins. And I think that showed on Saturday, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know it does. Say. No, it definitely does. Um, Charlotte, just coming back to you quickly before I move on and, and bring young Dave in, um, who sat patiently in the studio. Um, I keep calling it studio. It's not a studio. It's a virtual studio. But we know, we know what it is. Um, one surprise for me on Saturday after a very mere performance against Coventry was young Zari. 
please forgive me if I'm not pronouncing that right. You know I struggle with these ones. What an incredible game he had and that goal that he took. And he just, he seemed to be buzzing. And when he came off and he was like clapping the crowd and everything, he just, it looked like he was walking on air. And he was somebody who really impressed me as well. Yeah, for definite. I, I see when he when he came off and some of the things he's put on social media since yeah. he's definitely got caught up in it all, hasn't he? He's, he's thoroughly enjoying it. And um, yeah, it's certainly, that's, the most performance I've seen from him, I've I've missed a couple of home games and away games this season, um, and that's the most I've seen from him. And I was really really impressed. I thought that his goal was fantastic. Um, the fact that the player leading up to it as well was very clever, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was Teller who jumped out of the way. It pretty much went for his legs and he, um, while keeping an eye on the defender as well, uh, and not saying I thought fantastic. Um, but no, I. I I thoroughly enjoyed watching him. Really, really interesting to watch. I thought um, his his play with Teller and uh, and linking up with Tina as well was fantastic. So no, yeah. he was definitely getting caught up in it all. And I love to see a player that gets caught up in it. It's all about the passion. It's all about doing it for your team. And he might be brand new to the team, but he can see how how much it meant to the fans and how much it meant to his his uh, other players and things. And he definitely yeah. got caught up in it for me. And uh, it's a, it's a pleasure to see things like that. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Dave, anything from you that you wanted to add before we move on to the previous show? What was your um, final assessment, I think, of the game? Uh, yeah, very impressive first half. You know, as you say, everything seemed to, to click. Um, we were patient to begin with. We got a goal, we got another goal, and then we sneaked another one just before half time as well. We were good value for that lead, I thought, three goals in the first half, and it was just all-round play, really. It was hard to pick out individuals, really, to say, well, you know, they were you know, head and shoulders above the rest. I think there were so many players who yeah. were, uh, were on their A game. And I just think the the fact that we had um, Zorri on one side and we had Teller on the other. Um, Teller, I thought, had a fantastic game um, and As just gave them, all, gave them all sorts of problems. And they just, it was like men against boys in that first half. They didn't know what to do, didn't Swansea. They'd come with this sort of, uh, well, they're on a good run. They had four wins before then, had a really good reputation. And, um, well, we, we we just played them off the park in the first half and, and continued that after the break as well. Mm. Yeah, Rich, just final thought from you. I've seen this a lot from opposition managers this season. I've seen it a lot with very realistic and honest fans um, after the game. And I felt it on Saturday, but I firmly believe and I remain to be convinced otherwise that Burnley aren't the best footballing side in this division I, I think we're out I think we're better than anybody else I've seen yeah we're the best possession side in the yeah. division does that mean the best footballing side it, I'm you know I, I think it's easy to say this it's but how much do we actually watch of the other teams that like it's, it's not the same as the Premier League where you exactly know what you're That's coming fair. up against and, yeah. and I think like and I think it, it's easy to to say that and we're yeah. definitely the best possession side. We're fantastic at retaining the ball. I still don't think this issue of when teams camp behind ten men. I think I know we keep mentioning it, and I've and I've got really big hopes for him. So I hope it doesn't fall down. I think when Twine does come back into the team, um, it will make a difference. And you know, like you said, you know, there's some good sides in that division. You know, because Sheffield's you know not had a few good results. Don't count them off yet. You know, they've had a lot of injuries. I watched them. Uh, I can't remember who it was. I think they beat a team. I think they beat Sunderland four 0 at home as well, and I thought they were fantastic that night. So I'm just trying to bring a little bit of balance into it. I think yeah, we're we're a fantastic possession side when it clicks. 
I think we are the best side in the league, but I still think there is uh, defending crosses and breaking teams down when they sit really deep. I think if we do overcome those two issues, I can't see anybody stopping us then. Uh, mm. But yeah, it was a. Uh, it's been a after a couple of disappointing draws. The team have showed, uh, you know, winning football matches. Yeah, it's not just always about skill, and you know, in that Coventry game, I enjoyed that one as much as I did on 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 Saturday. You know, for a different reason. You know, we you know we're getting pummeled a little bit the last ten minutes, and we showed a lot of character to yeah. you know to help you know to hold on. So it's been a it's been a fantastic week. Another two tough away games coming up now. Birmingham on the back of a win, Sunderland on the back of beating Wigan. Um, you know, so like you said, you know, it's going to be a tough week and. Yeah, I don't want to ruin the preview show too much, but it's, no, don't, uh, don't, really don't bring us, yeah, don't bring balance really, and yeah. No, but it's really positive. Let us side. get carried was, away, Rich. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, listen, I didn't expect to see us top of the league this early on. No, I didn't. You know, the, you know the way Sheffield United and Norwich they were absolutely flying, and we were we six seven points behind after that. Yeah. Draw to Stoke, so to turn that around in the space of. You know, two games has been fantastic, and like yeah, you said, really has. you know, just 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 a joy to watch. And I couldn't give any player below a nine out of ten on on Saturday no. to win with a nice positive. Yeah, it kind of feels to me a lot of people have been just lamenting a little bit about the six points that we dropped in those games where we conceded really clear goals and thinking we could be six points clear at the top. Now, I kind of almost am glad that we're not because I don't. I, this team, I'm really enjoying seeing it develop and grow and get better and I'm enjoying company getting used to the championship and I'm in, I'm getting I'm enjoying the slight tweaks in tactics and I almost want it to be more organic I don't you know I'm quite happy that we've had the mistakes that we've had I, I think it's, it's important um okay listeners let's move on because fresh from that fantastic result we now have another game where we can go ahead and win 4-0 again and that is a midweek game away at Birmingham it's a 7.45 kickoff. now before we have a look at the preview of that we do in fact have a quiz question that we need to give you the answer to last time out we left you with the following quiz question can you name the first Birmingham player to be brought on as a substitute in a competitive match and what was the year now Tom and I, Dave, very much uh, felt that this was one for our slightly mature audience. And I suspect that this is from an era where none of us were alive. So why don't you put um, our listeners out of their misery and tell us what the result, what, sorry, what the answer was and who submitted correct answers. Uh, yeah, we are going back in time a little bit uh, before I was born as well. Um, it's uh, 1965. That's when substitutes were first introduced into uh, certainly English league football. Um, and our first substitute was a player called Ian Towers. Uh, he came on as substitute in that match. It, it was actually named substitute. In those days, um, they didn't have substitutes for tactical reasons. It had to be for an injury. Um, and he came on, I think it was a few games into the season. It certainly wasn't the first match of the season. Um, but we did have a correct answer. We had a, a listener in touch uh, with the correct answer. And it might not be a surprise that one of our regulars... Uh, Jan Gezileski uh, got the correct answer. Oh, excellent. Now, he did send us a pretty impressive um, tw uh, message, didn't he, with his analysis of this one. I think it's definitely worth us sharing this with our listeners. Yeah, I can read out what uh, what Jan said in his email. Uh, he said that Ian Towers was our first U substitute. Uh, it was against Arsenal in 1965-66. Um, he was at the game, uh, but he doesn't actually remember it. 
Um, in those days, just going back to the point I made, it was just for injury. So you weren't allowed to make uh, substitutes for t uh, tactical reasons. I think it was a few years later before they brought that in. Um, at the time, he said he lived in Haslingdon, uh, went to school in Blackburn um, and supported the Clarets. Um, we finished third in that season, uh, qualified for, for Europe and Rovers were relegated. So uh, a good season all round. Um, and he was uh, 12 years old. Uh, he said his parents uh, took the shackles off him and he went to 19 of the 21 home games. And the only two he missed were preschool night matches. Um, and Willie Irving, who scored uh, a lot of goals around then, became his all-time hero that year. Oh, what a great story. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Jan. That is excellent. Um, listeners, you do not need to wait too long for another crack at a quiz question because you just need to hang around to the end of the show. We will leave you with this week's question um, right after the preview show. Okay, Dave, let's start. Championship head-to-head, -head, Birmingham City. Knock us out. Where have we got with this one? Uh, well, this season's the 47th that Burnley and Birmingham City has faced each other in the league. Uh, although prior to their current name, our next opponents were also known as just playing Birmingham between 1904 and 1943, uh, when they became Birmingham City. And prior to that, in their early days, until 1904, they were known as Small Heath. Uh, that's actually the name of uh, a district in the city where they were based. Um, we've only ever met in the top flight in the second tier, uh, 27 seasons in the former and 19 in the latter. And it's the away games in those previous 19 second tier seasons which we're going to look back at. Uh, the first three matches on our list weren't at St Andrews, uh, but at Small Heath's Coventry Road Ground, uh, which is sometimes referred to as Munt Street. Um, in January 1898, uh, Burnley came from behind twice to earn a 2-2 draw. And in December 1900, we managed a 1-0 away win. That was uh, with Jimmy Savage scoring the only goal with a first-half header. Uh, the uh, other game at Coventry Road, that was in January 1903, and that resulted in a 3-0 win for the home side. Uh, Burnley made five more away trips to play Birmingham prior to the First World War and only managed one draw, losing the other four. Uh, there were no more second-tier meetings in the interwar years, so we'll skip ahead to 1946-47, when in September 1946, Burnley won 2-0 with goals from Harold Spencer and Jack Billingham. Harold Spencer also failed from the spot in this match. Uh, of course, there were plenty of top-flight matches after that, but it wasn't until the 1970s that our paths met again in the second tier. Our two away trips to St Andrews in the 1970s both ended as 2-0 defeats. And after that, we skip ahead to the year 2000 for the first of eight away league trips in the Championship. After a 3-2 defeat in November 2000, Burnley reversed that scoreline, winning 3-2 in September 2001. Uh, Glenn Little scored two of the goals in that game. Uh, in April 2007, Burnley had just ended a 19-match winless run with a 4-0 home win over Plymouth Argyle and followed that up with an away win at St Andrews immediately after. Uh, John Spicer scored the only goal in a 1-0 victory. Uh, that just leaves five more matches. Uh, Martin Patterson scored Burnley's goal in a 1-1 draw in February 2009 but the Clarets suffered a 2-1 away defeat in November 2011. Uh, we had hopes of winning the next two games, but late Blues goals dashed our hopes, meaning that the result was a 2-2 draw in December 2012 and the match in March 2013 finished 
The one remaining second-tier match at St Andrews was a vital away win towards the end of the 2015-2016 season, but we'll come to that very soon when we take a look at this week's memory match. Uh, in summary then, we, there have been 19 previous second-tier away trips. Burnley have won five, drawn five and lost nine. Excellent stuff. Um, well, one of the things, uh, I'm not sure if you've got the graphics up there as well, Charlotte, we were looking at this, is um, our played for both section, uh, which Dave tends to circulate for us all prior to recording the preview show. Um, Charlotte, there's some names on that played for both. Any particular ones of your favourites that jumped out at you? Uh, there was, I have to think about it, the Robbie Blake, I think, was on there and Wade Elliott. Those were two that certainly Wade jumped out Elliott, at me. Wade Elliott, yeah, me too. Yeah. I saw those two, I were like, yeah, two definite favourites there. Obviously, Robbie Blake was a character for us, not just a, a player, but an absolute character. Um, his goal uh, against United was one we'll never forget. Uh, none I'll never forget as a, as a Burnley uh, fan. And uh, yeah, obviously, Wade Elliott, Wade Elliott's goal to... Uh, to send us to the dizzying heights as well all that time ago oh. and uh, when we first did it was the one um, I know when uh, I did actually I wasn't at that match but when my dad was there he couldn't watch after that goal he's pretty much like quite similar to me in that sense that he had to turn around for the rest of the match and everyone else was telling him <laughs> I think going we all on. did to be fair yeah, never everyone else was telling him yeah. oh, Dave give over never in doubt have you heard entire game was the most it was the least enjoyable game of football I've ever watched. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it's the least enjoyable for a long time as well. <laughs> but yeah. no, um, yeah, them two definitely jumped out at me too with the, uh, the more recent players, definitely for my kind of introductions being Burnley fan. My, the years where it's definitely meant the most to me uh, recently. So um, they were two players that jumped out just for the, those key goals and also the personality and the character they brought to the team as a whole. Yeah, definitely. Uh, someone's for, for me as well. I used to, I used to really love uh, Dave Davidka. He was, he was a great one. And of course, the goal scoring machine that was Lukas Djokovic, or not for us, I guess. But yeah, some real characters on that list. Yeah, it's 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 well, twenty nine players in total. There's quite a lot on there. Um, I mean, if, if you play one game for both, you're on the list. But there are ones who played a lot more. Um, going back a little bit further, Tony Morley. Um, he only played four games for, for Birmingham City, but he played uh, quite a few for Burnley, more than 100. Uh, Vince Overson, a uh, defender in the uh, late 70s and, uh, and 80s. Um, going through the list in terms of some of the others that people might remember. Uh, Ted McMinn, uh, John Gale, uh, Paul Barnes. Uh, we've mentioned Robbie Blake and Wade Elliott. Deli Adibola only played three times for Burnley, but he had over 100 appearances for Birmingham City. Um, Kyle Lafferty, Stephen Caldwell, Andy Cole, uh, Chris Wood as well. He had half a season at Birmingham City and uh, Joe Hart as well. Yeah, do, I do, do I boo Joe Hart? No, we'll let him off. No, yeah, no, there's some, some great ones. Listeners, do let us know from that list who your favourite ones were. Uh, moving on then, Dave, um, we do have a memory match, I believe, that you're going to set out for us. What have you picked for this one? This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Uh, we do indeed, yeah. For our memory match, we're going to take a look back to our last trip to St Andrews, uh, which was during our championship title winning season of 2015-16. Uh, the match in question took place on Saturday, the 16th of April 2016, uh, with Sean Dyche in charge of the Clarets and Gary Rowett in charge of the Blues. Uh, there was pressure around us at the top of the table. Uh, Brighton had beaten Fulham 5-0 in the Friday evening kickoff, and in the Saturday lunchtime kickoff, Middlesbrough, they come from behind uh, to win 2-1 at Bolton Wanderers, uh, with two goals from Jordan Rhodes, with the winner coming in stoppage time. Uh, for our match, which was a 3pm kickoff, uh, there was a strong contingent of away fans, with 2,322 making the trip to the West Midlands. And the travelling Clarets were treated to a very entertaining game of football. Uh, Burnley took the lead after just after the half-hour mark, somewhat against a run of play. Uh, after Matt Lowton's cross was only half-cleared as far as George Boyd, uh, he finished with a low shot from just inside the box. Uh, that was uh, a past Adam Legdins, who later joined Burnley. He was in goal for the, uh, for the home side. Uh, we held a 1-0 lead at half-time, uh, but 10 minutes into the second half, the home side hit back. Tom Heaton saved well from John Terrell, but was unable to prevent Jacques Magoma putting away the rebound to level the scores. Uh, there were more chances at both ends uh, before George Boyd set up Andre Gray to fire a close-range shot past Legzins to give the Clarets the lead, and it remained 2-1 to give Sean Dyche's side a hard-fought away victory and three very valuable points. Uh, there was still time for a home player to see red, as John Terrell, who had been booked in the first half for a crude challenge from behind on Joey Barton, uh, made an ill-advised foul on substitute Lloyd Dyer and received his marching orders right at the end of the match. Uh, after the game, Gary Rowett thought that his team had been the better side, uh, but did begrudgingly admit this. Uh, probably Burnley are going to be promoted. They managed to get results in games they do not play well in, but that is a skill in yeah. itself. And you have to take your hat off to them. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Meanwhile, as Sean Dyche said, George Boyd was tireless in his work and his quality was outstanding, while the response of the team after they equalised was to be admired. Uh, there's a great belief among the players and there's certainly energy and desire. We're in a good place for a reason. I was very pleased with the way we played. Uh, this was Burnley's 19th league match undefeated, a run which was extended further to 23 by the time the season ended, with victory at the Valley exactly three weeks later. Lovely stuff. Let's finish off our preview, please, Dave, with um, a note about our referee. Uh, yeah, there's been a change of referee for Wednesday evening's match. We were due to have uh, John Busby in charge again. He was the referee for our recent away trip to face Coventry City. Uh, but for reasons that are unclear, uh, Dean Whitestone will now be the man in the middle at St Andrews. He's refereed eight previous Burnley matches going all the way back to 2008. Burnley's record in those games isn't brilliant. Uh, there have been just two wins, uh, three draws and three defeats. 
However, we did win the last time he refereed one of our matches. That was a memorable 3-2 away win at Fulham in March 2016. Uh, he did show a couple of red cards in his previous Burnley matches, but both of those were for opposition players. Uh, they were Crystal Palace's Wilfred Zahar and Middlesbrough's Daniel Ayala. Uh, going ahead, um, then looking ahead at this game, Charlotte, we are obviously buoyed by a massive performance and a massive home win. And we're going to be keen, I suspect, to keep hold of that top of ta table um, position. How are you expecting us to A, line up and B, take on this game against Birmingham at the weekend? At the weekend, sorry, midweek. Oh my God, I'm going to miss the game, guys. Uh, Wednesday. <laughs> So I think it's difficult to to make changes to a, a winning side yeah, or a winning starting side. I think we line up the same way we started on Saturday. Um, if changes need to be made and it's not working or people are tired, then obviously that makes a difference. But all being fit and well, I think you line up the same way you line up when you've had such a dominant performance. Um, with regards to how we're playing going forward, I think... We are, obviously, we don't want to get too carried away, too caught up in it. I, I haven't seen much of how Birmingham are playing yet this season. I don't know um, what their style is at the moment. And I'm sure they, they, uh, the guys at the club know much more than me. So they will have made a plan for us. But um, like I said, you can't really be making too many changes to a side that's been so dominant or to the way they're playing. Um, hopefully, the way we can keep up with that and, and the way Birmingham play do allow us to and they give us that freedom and hopefully if we are faced with a more closed uh, back line, essentially, like we have been with a, a few more games this season, that we're starting to get towards knowing how to deal with that situation as well. I think um, a lot of what happened on Saturday as well does have, the crowd can have an effect on that. And obviously yeah. you don't have that when you, you go away. We have such a fantastic away support and you can always hear them and they're loud and they're, they're fantastic, they're brilliant, they're singing the whole time, but it's still not the same as being surrounded on all quarters and everyone getting, we were yelling shoot to every single player on that. That on was that hilarious. I enjoyed and, that immensely. Yeah, <laughs> when Mary's on the other half and we're like, shoot, honestly, I think that lad will go for it one day and I'll live for the day he does. Yeah, but, I hope so too. Uh, yeah, I really <laughs> hope so. But it does, it does add something to it and it does make you keep chasing that next goal, next goal, next goal. I guess if you go... 2-0 up away against Birmingham, you might kind of close down a little bit and that might be more sensible than keep pushing and pushing and pushing it. But then again, we don't know what they're going to play like. But no, I definitely won't make too many changes and hopefully we can um, we can carry on riding that wave of, uh, of undefeated, really, runs so far and, and riding that wave of a, a fantastic performance. It's kind of crazy considering, Dave, that we, we had obviously the last promotion season where we went 23 games undefeated. We're already, what, 12 undefeated already? 12 in, 12 in all competitions, 11 in the league. Yeah. Mm. We'll do it again this season. I don't think we're going to lose the rest of the season. There you go. Bromley's bankers. Burnley are not going to lose again the rest of the season. There you go. Don't, don't put money on that. <laughs> no, I won't. Um, hey, that's a point. Did I? Was Bromley's bankers for the preview show? Did I say 4 0? Well, you said it'd either be one or the other. You didn't. You didn't kind of commit yourself on the last one. No, I thought I didn't make it because I, I have to make a prediction. Ah, I can't oh. remember. You, you said it could be four nil to us or four nil to them. I would really love it if I said that I was going to predict four nil to Burnley and Andrew Blythe put a bet on it. That would be amazing. That's what I would be um, I yeah. So from your perspective, then, Dave, do you 
Do you expect, given what we've seen so far this season, there to be a different approach to the Clarets away from home? A lot of people have suggested that we're going to pick up more points away from home than we are at home. Um, I guess I do probably expect them to not necessarily shut up shop like some teams have when they're at home. And you know, they're in twelfth position. They're only only six points off the top. They have lost more. They have lost five games this season. The whole championship close, isn't it? They have lost five games and they've got um, a plus goal difference of, of two. Whereas I was we've scored ten more goals than they have. Um but at home you wouldn't expect them to shut up shop for a point, would you? That would work. Uh, sides are probably less likely to at home um, unless they're very disciplined. Um, so that might play into our hands in some ways. I mean, what's interesting, going in terms of, of points comparisons, uh, throwing another couple of stats in here, um, it is really tight in the championship. We were, uh, I was looking back at our previous two championship seasons, and in 2013 14, we had 33 points after 14 games. We were top of the table. Um, we'd had 10 wins, uh, three draws and one defeat. Uh, but in 2015-16, we had 28 points, but we're in third place. So it was a lot more drawn out rather than being really close in that season. Looking at this season, 25 points would normally be, I don't know, might, might be third or fourth in the table. Um, but it's currently top. It is really, really tight in there. And it just goes to show, you know, you string a couple of wins together, and you get there, if you can continue that form and get another couple of wins, it's going to be tricky with uh, away games, I, I know. Yeah, that's true. Um, but if, you can, if you can string another couple of wins together, there is that potential to, you know, to pull out in front of the teams that are there. Because uh, as we saw from uh, Sheffield United against uh, uh, Blackpool, wasn't it? They had that uh, crazy game on uh, on Saturday, the 3-3 and all the sendings off and all the shenanigans going on there. Um, you know, sides aren't able to to string runs together, but we have done that. We we've only lost the one game all season. That was a narrow defeat at Watford, and we've been very consistent. And you know, as we said already, we could have had more points than we got. You know, relinquishing leads late on in games and and conceding and only getting a one one draw when we could have could have held out for for one nil wins in those games. Yeah, definitely. Uh, prediction then, please, Charlotte. How do you think we're going to do? Um, I'm hoping for a 2-0 win, I think. Let's make it not too nervy as much as a 1-0, uh, but I don't think we'll... Well, I think it'd be sensible not to say we're going to run away with it the same way we did. Obviously, I'd love that, but I think if we go for a strong 2-0, good bit of goal difference, a nice clean sheet and three points. Love it. Dave, I am banning you from predicting a draw. Um, which is what you are when you don't think we're going to win. <laughs> I'm not going to predict a draw. I think it's going to be a Burnley win, but I'm going to go for a 2-1 away win. I think that um, we might struggle to keep a clean sheet, so maybe 2-1 two, two, to Burnley. Excellent. Well, I agree with one of our panellists this week, listeners, and this week's Romers Banker is going to be a Burnley away win 2-0. Um, listeners, let us know what you think our score prediction will be. You can tweet us at nonanever.net or you can leave a comment on our Facebook page. Uh, Dave, let's not leave it there because I know you like to tweet to tweet our listeners. You also like to treat our listeners. Um, can you please... Oh, my oven's going off. Can you hear that, listeners? That means my tea's ready. Let's, let's wrap up the preview show. Um, can you get our listeners what your miscellaneous stat of the week is, please? Well, yeah, just basically uh, confirming what I said before. Uh, the 4-0 win over Swansea City 
on Saturday, combined with results elsewhere, meant that Burnley returned to the top of the championship table again. We were there briefly at the start of the season, following our opening day victory over Huddersfield Town. Uh, but when we look back at our previous two championship seasons, this is confirming uh, the figures I hinted at earlier, uh, there are some interesting comparisons. In 2013-14, Burnley had amassed a very impressive 33 points at the same stage, topping the table after 14 games with 10 wins, three draws and one defeat. Uh, whereas in 2015-16, we had also had more points than this season. Uh, that's 28 compared with 25. But we were only in third place. That was with eight wins, four draws, and we'd lost twice at that stage. Uh, the league is very close this season, as we've said. And any team towards the top who can string a good run of wins together over the next four weeks could be in a very strong position when we take an extended break for the World Cup. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Well, listeners, we're going to leave you now with an update from our regular FPL expert, Adam Dennett, who's going to tell us all about game week 11, was it? Um, and see just how tasty that known and ever FPL league is looking. Over to you, Adam. Hi, Adam here with a no name ever FPL update from game week 11 and looking forward to game week 12. Starting off with your team of the week, uh, lining up in a 3-5-2 formation. In goal, Jose Saad from Wolves, who saved a penalty in his side's 1-0 win over Nottingham Forest. Um, your three at the back, all 4.5 million options at the start of the season. Issa Diop, Diop scoring at home for Fulham against uh, Bournemouth. Diogo Dallo uh, racking up all three bonus points in Manchester United's 0-0 draw against Newcastle. And Joel Ward uh, also getting two bonus points in Crystal Palace's 0-0 draw away at Leicester. In mid into midfield. Uh, Mason Mount continued his good run of form with uh, two goals for Chelsea, both goals for Chelsea in their 2-0 win away at Aston Villa. Um, Declan Rice and Ruben Neves aren't normally good FPL picks, but both got 10 points and goals in um, in their side's respective games at the weekend. Neves scoring the winner against Forest and Rice scoring in West Ham's one all draw against Southampton. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Hoiberg got his third goal of the season for Spurs, matching his tally from last season already in uh, the nine points that he got in their 2-0 win at home to Everton. And completing the, the midfield is uh, Saka from Arsenal, Arsenal becoming a very good pick and on my watch list for game week 13 after their blank. Up front, you've got um, two strikers, two mid-price strikers, uh, Dominic Solanke continuing his good run of form with a, a goal and an assist in Bournemouth's draw at Fulham. And Ivan Tony starting the game week off with a bang on Friday night uh, with both goals in Brentford's 2-0 win. And to the Nona Never League, um, just a rundown of the top five this week. In fifth place, Gemma Avery on 695 points. Fourth, Jack Toner on 696 points. Third place, Adam Kay on 697 points. Second place, dropping a place this week, is Rupert Booth on 704 points. And top of the table, going into blank game week 12, is Daniel Shepherd on 706. Now, on to uh, game week 12, which uh, I've mentioned a few times in the last few weeks. Man City and Arsenal both blank. 
So people might be opening up the teams uh, this week a bit surprised why they've not got many players playing. I think it's fine to take a minus four or a minus eight, eight points hit uh, rather than playing your free hit chip um, if you can. Uh, your free hit chip is normally best used when the FA Cup quarterfinals on, where only three or four games get played across the whole weekend in the Premier League. Um, obviously, some some teams you'll be forced into it this week and have to plan uh, plan accordingly later on. I think it's also fine to go into the week with ten players rather than cut too many City and Arsenal players out. Um, they've looked the best teams in the league uh, this season. And they've both got a great run of fixtures from game week 13 up until the World Cup, um, which is after game week 16, where you get unlimited transfers. Things making it even more difficult. Um, James Madison, uh, quite a popular pick at the moment, got a last-minute yellow card for diving, uh, meaning he's suspended for the home game against Leeds midweek. Um, that, yeah, that really hasn't helped my team. Just an example, um, for my team at the moment, I've got nine players playing this week. Um, I've got James Madison and then five players from, uh, four players from City and Arsenal. So this week I'm going to bench uh, Cancelo, Haaland and Martinelli and I'm going to sell Foden and Madison and I'm probably going to bring in Mo Salah because I think he is the best, um, best captain option for this week. Um, been back to form. Uh, this last week, four goals in his last two games, um, and it's normally very difficult not to have him in your team. So that will be my move for this week. But every team is different, and if you still have your wild card, uh, I still think it's better to use it next week if you can to triple up on City and Arsenal rather than muddle through this week and then go into ne- the next few weeks not owning players from the best teams. Just a reminder that the uh, the deadline is Tuesday at six pm. Um, so make sure whatever you do, you do it before then. And wishing you all green arrows for game week 12. Up the Clarets. And finally, Dave, going to leave our listeners with a lovely quiz question, please. Uh, yeah, this week's quiz question is, uh, Ray Pointer, with four goals, is Burnley's second highest goal scorer in away games against Birmingham. But one Burnley player amassed double that total. That's eight goals. But can you name the player and his unique goal-scoring achievements? Uh, To clarify, uh, this is for all away games, not just second-tier league games. So essentially what we need to find out is who is the club's highest goal-scorer against Birmingham City away from home in all leagues and all competitions. And somebody scored eight against Birmingham. They must hate him. I don't know who that would be, but I'm going to give that some thought. Who? How do our listeners submit their answers, please, Dave? Uh, in the usual way, if you uh, tweet us uh, at no nay never, um, preferably a, a direct message. That means that no one else will see your answer. Uh, you can email us to the dedicated email address we've got for the preview show, which is preview show at no nay never dot net, or you can reply to the post that will go up on the no nay never Facebook page. Excellent stuff. And we will reveal that answer next week on the preview show. Listeners, that is all we have time for. Um, We have been a pleasure bringing you a preview of the Birmingham game. Um, My thanks as ever go to everybody who has contributed to this week's preview show. Um, Your host and editor of the Northern Ever podcast is myself, Michael Bromley, and our producer is Mark Matt Moss. 
We'll be joined tonight by club statistician. Well, no, actually, not club statistician, not a never statistician. I was giving you a promotion then, Dave. Uh, Dave Roberts and our FBL expert is Adam Dennett. My thanks to Analysis Short team members, Charlotte and Rich, for joining me. They're also joined in the team by Tom Whitaker, George Poole, Adam Dennett and Robbie Kopak. Our music's by George Gaskell and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. Please do subscribe to that newsletter if you haven't already. You can subscribe at nonandever.substack.com. Uh, finally, thanks to our partners, TalkSport, and we are always very proud to be part of the TalkSport fan network. This has been the preview show brought to you by the Norman Never Podcast. Until next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.